Hello and welcome to another episode of Travelosophy with Jade Jackson. Today I'll be sharing some of my years of travel agent knowledge so you know how to score the cheapest flight possible. In all my years of travel, it's never been cheaper to travel than now. The number of airline seats has steadily increased, as has the size of aircraft, along with the number of flights. But how do you make sure you're getting the best deal possible without hacking airline databases? Luckily, it's not rocket science, and nor is it pure luck. With a little knowledge, planning, and having a constant my-ticket-out-of-here fund as backup, you can always snag the deals when they become available. One of the advantages to having travel agent knowledge is knowing how airline routes work, along with airport and airline codes, as well as geographical and aircraft knowledge. A good place to start is the Airline Alliance websites. These will give you a list of airlines that are associated, so you can earn frequent flyer miles across all of them. Generally, these alliances aim to cover as much of the globe as possible. Some do a better job than others, and they're not steadfast. Airlines change, new ones are added, new partnerships arise, and there's also alliances separate to global alliances. The big three are Star Alliance, which includes United Airlines, Air Canada, Thai, Singapore, Air China, Air New Zealand, and Lufthansa. In total, it includes 27 other airlines, and between them they cover 192 countries. SkyTeam includes the oldest operating carrier, KLM, alongside Aerolineas Argentinas, China Airlines, Garuda and Xiamen Airlines, amongst others to make up a total of 20 carriers which cover 178 countries. OneWorld may have the least amount of passengers of the big three, but it has some of the world's most famous airlines, including Qantas, American Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Finnair, LATAM in South America, and Malaysia Airlines. In total, One World services 158 countries. The reason why knowing airline alliances will help you is because they often have shared tickets. So, for example, Airline A will purchase seats off Airline B and market them as their own tickets. But because Airline A isn't operating the aircraft, they don't need to pay staff, they don't need to pay maintenance so they can on-sell the tickets at a cheaper rate without losing money. Obviously, there's a minimum they would purchase them at as well. The best example of this is Finnair. Finnair don't fly into Australia, only from Europe to Asia and Europe to North America. However, as they're part of One World, they partner with Qantas and Cathay Pacific to get you from Australia to Asia and American Airlines to get you to North America. Lufthansa, Swissair and Scandinavian Airlines also do this, though Finnair is often the cheapest. I flew with Finnair multiple times to Europe, and it's nice to have the option of different stopover cities each time, and the only price that changes is the airport taxes. One year, I flew into Mumbai, out of Delhi, to London, then I returned from Manchester to Shanghai, back to Australia. Another year I went via Shanghai to Edinburgh and returned from Munich via Hong Kong back to Australia. So there's lots of options. I know many people just like to get straight to Europe, but I always prefer having a stopover because it helps with jet lag. You get to see a different country and generally everything in Asia is cheaper. So it's nice to have a cheap stop after weeks in Europe. It's also something else to look forward to on the way home.
But by utilising European airlines like Finnair, Swiss and Lufthansa, you can essentially get a ticket to Europe but fly via Asia in one direction and some of them allow North America in the other direction. The other thing with Finnair is because they're part of One World, if you have a Qantas Frequent Flyer card, then you'll also earn Qantas Frequent Flyer points. Although you may earn less or no status credits compared to a full Qantas flight, depends on your ticket price. Like frequent flyer hacks, Round the World Airfares is worthy of its own dedicated podcast, but there are also single airline Round the World tickets that can work out really good value. So for example, Virgin has a ticket and Air New Zealand has a ticket that takes you around the world on a single airline. One of the easiest ways to reduce the cost of your airline ticket is being aware of how much airport taxes are. Each airport has a set list of fees which are added to every passenger. Some fees are only charged if you are stopping more than 24 hours. By comparing the cost to fly into a nearby city, it may reduce the cost of the ticket overall because the airport taxes may be cheaper. Many cities in Europe and the UK are the same airfare price to fly into. So if you flew into London, for example, it's the same airfare cost as Paris, but it's the airport taxes that vary. If you see an ad advertising the same price to a selection of cities, then you know they have rounded up the taxes. When I was a travel agent, it was common practice to round up the taxes by 10 or $20, mainly as airport taxes change depending upon the exchange rate. If a dollar goes down, airport taxes get more expensive. If the dollar goes up, airport taxes get cheaper. It was more of a buffer, but on the round-the-world ticket, it was common to have a $50 buffer. Big airports like London Heathrow and Sydney Kingsford Smith are obviously going to have higher fees, but there are also generic country fees that are unavoidable, such as airport taxes. These days, most departure taxes are included in your ticket, but occasionally there's a country that likes to collect it in cash, often US dollars, before you leave, so it's always worth double-checking. The last time I had to pay a departure tax in cash was in Vietnam, but I almost got stuck in Mexico because I wasn't aware of an airport departure tax. And of all things... FPOS and ATMs weren't working, and the currency exchange wouldn't accept Australian dollar traveller's checks. Yeah, obviously this was a few years ago. Eventually, I pleaded with the check-in staff. He said, open your wallet, and he took everything I had. From memory, the tax was like 55, and I only had 20 US dollars in my wallet. I'm sure what he took just went straight into his pocket, but it was an important lesson because the last thing you want is some bastard who won't let you board because you haven't paid your departure tax. One of the biggest differences in airline fees is fuel surcharge. When oil prices are high and currency is low, some airlines charge a fuel surcharge. Essentially, it's to increase their profit. But I remember one time a few years ago, fuel surcharges were more expensive than the actual airline ticket. It was ridiculous. There's rumours of fuel surcharges increasing again as the oil price is going up and the dollar is going down. There was legislation in Australia made around this, so airlines couldn't charge excessive fees. But they are still able to charge, in inverted commas, airline fees, which can be pretty much anything. Sometimes they're called booking fees. And usually there's little clarification between whether these are the website, the airline, or basically a because they can fee. 
Most websites will specify a generic airport tax as an airline fees on top of your airline ticket. But, as mentioned, each airport has a set number of tariffs that it charges per passenger, and these don't change all that often. Many of these tariffs or fees are advertised on an airport's own website. If you really want to go to the extreme, you can find intensive fares and ticketing courses online offered by IATA, International Air Transport Association. Consider this the official one. And this is the same knowledge a travel agent would know. But that's not totally necessary to find cheap airfares. It just gives you access to things like rules, codes, taxes. And when I did a fares and ticketing course, the books were the size of like two Sydney phone books, and there was three of them which when you think about it, these books contain every airline, city and practically every airfare available. So of course it's going to be massive. But finding the cheapest airfares comes down to three things. Having flexible travel dates, being aware of what the standard price range is across multiple airlines so you know if you're getting a good deal, and also being aware of smaller airlines that maybe don't have the marketing budget as say Qantas, Cathay Pacific or Virgin, but can equally offer great deals on flights. A good example of this is Fiji Airways. Currently, they have a special for 780 return from Sydney to San Francisco via Fiji. You can have a stopover for a few days, relax in a resort, and then continue on to America. But it's a really cheap deal. You may see an airline website offering a flight for, say, 1000 and then another website like BYO Jet offering it for cheaper. Usually, these other websites are acting as a travel agent which means they take commission. On rare occasions, they may have a special agreement with the airline that if they sell a certain number of airfares, they'll be charged a set price by the airline. Normally, the airline offers these sorts of deals to many of their top travel agents. But for example, when I worked with STA Travel, they often received exclusive airfares that no other agent had access to because STA Travel was so big and was a global company. Regardless though, all seats on a plane are accessible to both the public via an airline's website and travel agents. I'm probably going into too much detail. Sorry, it comes from teaching airfares when I was a travel and tourism teacher. So, if you want to book the cheapest fares, besides flexibility, price awareness and knowledge of airlines, it's also handy to have some geography knowledge. So, brushing up on knowing the capitals of countries as well as their major airport gateways. For example, in the United States... Washington DC is the capital, but Los Angeles, San Fran, Dallas, Chicago, New York and Miami are all major airport gateways. Grab a map, and you can find maps here online easily enough. Google Maps has airports listed. But practically every country has its own national airline. And generally, an airline will fly via its home city. So Thai Airways will always go via Bangkok. Singapore Airlines will always go via Singapore, Emirates will always go via Dubai, Aerolinius, Argentinas will always go via Buenos Aires. It's handy to know this because if you want to stop over in that country, the first point of reference will be the country's own airline. There's exceptions of course. Air New Zealand has a flight that goes Sydney to Norfolk Island, then on to Auckland. Cathay Pacific has a flight that goes from Singapore to Bangkok to Hong Kong. Sometimes the airline might request specific routings. It used to be based on refueling, but that's less of a reason now. Anyway, why is it important to know airline routings? Because different airports charge different fees. A 
popular route like Sydney to Singapore to London might be more expensive because there's lots of travellers want to fill up seats on that route. But Sydney, Hong Kong, London might be less popular. I'm just giving examples here. For example, it might work out cheaper to fly via Seoul in South Korea, a less popular route to Europe than Bangkok. This may not always be the case, but it's certainly worth investigating. There's also hidden routings, like flying between Australia and New Zealand, the main carriers are Qantas, Virgin and New Zealand. But Land Chile, Emirates and Thai also fly across to Auckland and occasionally offer awesome deals. Whilst there's been a huge surge in budget airlines, on the surface they appear cheaper. However, by the time you add on luggage, even if you forgo airline meals, entertainment and seat choice, they're usually very similar price to an all-inclusive airline. So don't fall into the trap that Jetstar or Cebu Pacific or Scoot Airlines is always going to be the cheapest, because sometimes they're not. As a photographer, my hand luggage is usually taken up by just my camera gear, so budget airlines don't always work out for me. However, many of the budget airlines can be utilised to fly to Asia and then pick up a European airline from Asia to Europe. A good example of this is Norwegian Air. Norwegian Air offer really cheap flights from Asia to Europe via Oslo in Norway. And if you combine this with a Scoot or Air Asia flight to Singapore, Kuala Lumpur or Bangkok, means you can easily get a return ticket to Europe for under $1,000. Just be aware that booking two separate airlines, one from Australia to Asia and then a separate airline from Asia to Europe or North America, will mean you'll need to collect your luggage and recheck in at your transit point because you're travelling on two separate tickets with two separate airlines. Also, if you're doing this, make sure you have plenty of time to change aircraft, just in case the first one's delayed. It's airfares like this that you'll see on websites like Kayak as a hacker fare. There's no secrets, it's literally finding two cheap flights, different airlines and booking them. You can use the same concept to book a return flight, for example, one way to San Fran with Fiji Airways, and then one way from LA back to Sydney with Hawaiian Airlines, giving you two different island stopovers. Airline sale fares tend to be cyclical, so often they'll have the same or similar sale each year. If you know you want to visit a particular destination, sign up to a few airlines that service that route and keep your eye on sales over a period of time, like six to nine months. That should give you a good idea when there's a good deal out, and you should definitely book it. Traditionally, March and November are cheap periods to travel. July and December are the most expensive. But school holidays, public holidays and any special events like the World Cup or Olympics can also affect the cost of travel. Budget airlines tend to release sales every week to random destinations, but they only have exceptional sales a few times a year. For example, Jetstar's Fly to Japan and Return for Free is offered twice a year usually around March and October as a way of filling seats in periods of quiet travel from Japan. Of course, any sale fare will have limited seats available for the cheap price and usually only on sale for a limited duration. For argument's sake, say there's 100 seats on a plane, they might have 5 seats available as a super duper special for $10. Then they might have 20 seats available as an okay special for $50. Then they might have 60 seats available at normal price, no sale, say $80. And the last 15 seats will be fully flexible, unrestricted and cost $100. It's not rocket science, but the cheaper the seat, the more restrictive it is. But, and Jetstar recently got in trouble and fined for this... 
even a non-refundable ticket, the airline has to refund you the airport taxes. I know that listeners are from all over the globe, including USA, China, Japan, Mongolia, India, Pakistan, the UK, Italy, to name a few. So, unfortunately, we'd be here forever if I tailored the origins to everywhere. But the same basic principles apply globally. So hopefully the information I'm providing gives you something to think about and something you may not have known before. If you're having trouble working out an itinerary, I'll happily offer my services in a consulting capacity. Just note, I don't have the authority to make a reservation for you because I'm not currently an acting travel agent. But if you're having trouble working out an itinerary, especially around the world ticket, hit me up. I can at least put you in the right direction. And I've got an idea of what good deals are out there. For a fee, of course. Lastly, there's plenty of airlines that only operate between Asia and Europe, or between Africa and the Middle East, and North America to Europe, even South America to Europe. Most of these can be booked online. If not, most travel agents should be able to book them in their system and ticket them through a consolidator. A consolidator issues airline tickets for travel agents, acting as a middle person between the airline and travel agents. When it comes to actually making a booking, a good place to start is Kayak or Google Flights. These are essentially search engines which will give you a good idea on what the average price is. They don't make the booking or facilitate it, instead they send you either to the airline or an OTA, an online travel agent, such as Expedia, Agoda, Skyscanner and Orbitz, or in Australia, Webjet and Jet Abroad. Actually, Jet Abroad is global. However, not every airline will show up on these search engines or in OTA booking sites. If you read my post, Travel Agent Secrets, Every Traveller Should Know, every travel agent has multiple factors influencing the products they offer to you. So even though you search for flights to a destination and adjust the filter for the cheapest fares, they will still offer airlines that they have preferred agreements with first because usually they earn them more commission. So you always need to do a deep search and compare airlines, which is why having geography knowledge and airline knowledge is handy to book the cheapest flights. A good example of this is Southwest Airlines in America. They won't show up on OTA websites, only their own websites. There is also conjunction fares, which are only available from a travel agent. These are wholesale fares, and for example, STA Travel used to have a Qantas conjunction fare to Los Angeles that had to be sold with a domestic flight within America. It was aimed at travellers going for camp counsellors, but was so cheap, it basically made the domestic flight free, because the Qantas flight to LA was so much cheaper than a standard flight. Booking cheap flights in America, you'll need to compare different nearby cities, because often there's a big difference in price. You'll also find flights are rarely direct, and in some cases, make a quick landing just to pick up more passengers before continuing on. I'd recommend creating a dedicated airline sale email address and signing up to as many different airlines as you can for the destinations you're interested in. You only need to scan through once a week or every few weeks to get an idea of what the average price is and always double-check the currency. It's an easy mistake to make, especially if a country uses dollars. OTAs receive access to the same availability as travel agents, but everything is automated. When you make a booking, you're essentially doing the job of a travel agent, 
but the OTA is still taking a commission or booking fee for that booking from the airline. And in some cases, they add a booking fee as well. I've used Jet Abroad a few times. It's basically an online travel agent, but they have actual businesses in Australia, USA, New Zealand, Israel, Ireland, Hong Kong, UK, Europe, and Singapore. And they have a good search engine that allows you to book different airlines at the same time, as well as using multiple currencies. They're also an official IATA registered travel agent, which is something important to look out for. If you're booking on an OTA website, IATA is basically a governing body that looks after all airlines and travel agents. So if you have an OTA that's registered with them, then they're going to be more legit than someone who's not. But booking multiple currencies. When I was in New Zealand, I wanted to book a flight from Wellington to Venice with Emirates, but I wanted to pay using my Australian dollar credit card and pay in Australian dollars. Jet Abroad allowed me to do this, whereas if I was booking on the Emirates website, I would have to use a New Zealand card and pay in New Zealand dollars because I was departing from New Zealand. This made it more expensive because of the exchange rate at the time. I've found Jet Abroad are also clear in the fees they charge, so you can see a breakdown of airline fees and taxes, and then any booking fees Jet Abroad charges are listed separately if there's any. The problem with booking through an OTA is generally they're purely out to make money and everything is data-driven. Sites like Booking.com and Expedia will display pop-ups like someone just booked this hotel or only two seats left to try and rush you into making a booking. Then there's the add-ons. Travel insurance, carbon offset, donation to charity, rounding up, etc, etc. All designed to take your money. There are laws in Australia where an OTA can't automatically have things like insurance ticked because people can often overlook it. But if you're booking on an overseas-based website, then they can still get away with those tricky little tactics. Credit card fees is another one. You get right to the last page of making a booking and they say, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you 3% credit card fee. And we're also charging you in US dollars instead of AUD. Not to diss OTAs entirely, because sometimes their websites do work better than airline websites for making bookings. But just be aware that many charge excessive fees, which can make your cheap flight not so cheap after all. There's a newsletter and Facebook group called I Know The Pilot which basically sends you deals and links to book these flights with a selection of random dates. They usually send you to an OTA to book, so it's handy to know ahead of time what booking through an OTA will ultimately cost you in the end. I suggest making a test booking with all the potential extras without entering your credit card details, just so you can know the final cost of their fees and charges. The other thing to be aware of is when booking through an OTA, if you want to make changes or obtain a refund, then they will add on their own fees, as well as whatever the airline will charge you. So you could be paying double change fees just because you didn't book direct with an airline. I know it seems complicated, but knowing the cheapest periods to travel, being aware of what the standard price range is, so if you find a deal at the lower end of that, you know you've got a good price, and Having the funds ready to pay for a flight at a moment's notice will ensure you nab the best deals for future air travel. I've written a few blog posts which have more details about airlines in specific regions, including Chinese airlines. 
there's been a huge boom in the amount of Chinese travellers, and so a number of airlines have started up as a result, which ultimately will lead to cheaper airfares to China. You can already see that happening, but at the moment most Chinese airlines only fly to one or two European ports. But as demand grows, you'll see them servicing more cities. Of course, I'll include links to all the posts in the show notes. And if you're heading to New Zealand or South America, Air New Zealand is currently offering 5% cash back from the cost of your flight. That's just the flight cost, not taxes. You'll need to sign up to Cashback, and I'll include a link for that in the show notes too. There's a bunch of other specials on at the moment through Cashback, including 10% cashback at Amazon and 8% cashback at Agoda for hotels. With Cashback, you can spend it at other retailers, or you can save it up and use it towards your next trip. Also worth mentioning is Air New Zealand Grab a Seat and Reverse Auctions. These are dedicated sites with New Zealand domestic and international flights, often with huge discounts. Of course, mostly they're for departures from New Zealand, and all prices are in New Zealand dollars, which actually makes it cheaper for everyone, but it's still worth checking out. On reverse auction, I managed to grab flights to Niue for $400 return. Normally it's $400 one way. And friends of mine have nabbed business class deals to Japan for a third of the full business class price. Basically, it's a way of Air New Zealand filling their flights. The most annoying one was I'd booked flights to LA. I'd planned this trip like nine months in advance. And then a week before I was due to depart, grab a seat, had flights to LA for $400 cheaper than what I paid, leaving the same dates. But for a big trip at Christmas time, I'm hardly going to leave it to the week before to book. But if you have that kind of flexibility, it can work out. Just make sure you register and fill out all your details. When it comes to booking, you can just sign in and all your details are already there. When it comes to using frequent flyer points to book travel, that's a whole other podcast on its own. But a quick hack that's not often known, there's lots of American carriers that offer free frequent traveler programs, like obviously American Airlines and Alaska Airlines And occasionally, they'll have specials where you can buy discounted miles. So you can buy batches of like 5,000 or in some cases up to 50,000 miles, which is essentially enough for a return flight somewhere. The idea is for them to be top-ups for the points you already have. But points on American Airlines can be used to book travel with other one-world carriers like British Airways, Qantas and Cathay Pacific. I hope this has been useful for you. As you can imagine, there's a ton of information to pass on when it comes to booking cheap flights. And after being a travel agent for many years, an airline consolidator issuing airline tickets and teaching airfares to tourism students, what I've talked about in this episode is really just a summary. If you'd like to know more useful tips, head to my website, jadejackson.com.au. And during the month of June, I'm publishing a post a day of useful and inspiring travel knowledge from the depths of my brain. You can search on Twitter or Facebook for hashtag 30 days of posts. That's hashtag 30 days of posts. Slightly off topic, but I'm also considering a podcast name change. I'm just finding that people are struggling to remember the name. It won't affect you listening. And if you've subscribed, the feed won't change, so you will automatically receive new episodes. I'm thinking of Jade Talks Travel, which sits nicely with my other podcast, Jade Talks Stuff. 
If you have any strong objections to a podcast name change, or if you have any better suggestions, please hit me up on Twitter at jdkinsjackson, or on Facebook at jdjacksonphotography, or on Instagram at jdkinsjackson. Lastly, if you love the content I provide and want more of it, head to Posible, P-O-Z-I-B-L-E, where for two Australian dollars you can receive all my posts ad-free. Else, you can also check out Patreon, which is patreon.com slash jadejackson, where for one US dollar you can receive my posts ad-free. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Thank you so much for listening to Travelosophy, which may soon become J Talks Travel with Jade Jackson. Bye-bye now.